Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 154, and tonight we're going to be taking a look at the dystopian, not so far away future of the Purge election year, and also the crapshoot returns and is going to dare you to hop inside one killer limousine in Prom Ride. Also, we got a game of Schmovie to give away tonight, and all sorts of other fun and craziness is just waiting to begin. So, Patrick, just shut the fuck up and start the show. Okay. Okay. God, you're so pushy. I like it. Daddy. Mm. You are here. The world's first choose-your-own-adventure sci-fi audio drama. Henderson Tech, a relatively unknown startup, has come out of nowhere to rock the tech industry with groundbreaking advancements in AI technology. The founders of Henderson Tech, Sam... Meet Lucy, the brains of the first fully AI-governed factory. Built from the ground up by AI entrepreneurs, the Henderson Brothers. They begin production today on their prototype exoskeleton, where Lucy will lend a bit of herself into helping disabled... Henderson Tech co-founders Sam and Dean Henderson are in talks to bring the brightest minds in STEM to research the ever-worsening climate change. Groups from MIT, Caltech, and Johns Hopkins University, along with companies such as Microsoft and Google... We have some exciting news out of the tech sector. Artemis Henderson, son of Samuel, has been appointed CEO of Henderson Consortium. Having saved the world from the devastating effects of global warming under the leadership of Artemis, the Henderson Consortium are turning their minds skyward to use that technology for the purposes of making another planet habitable. Some say we lack vital resources. The world is strange. The whole universe is very strange. But see, when you look at the details and you find out that the rules are very simple of the game, the mechanical rules by which you can figure out exactly what's going to happen when the situation is simple. It's again this chess game business. If you were in just a corner where only a few pieces are involved, you can work out exactly what should happen. Unexpected anomaly encountered. Gravitational pull has exceeded thruster output. And yet... In the real game, there's so it's so many pieces you can't figure out what's going to happen. Collision imminent. Impact in three, two. It's hard to believe. It's incredible. In fact, uh, most people don't believe that uh, the behavior of, say, me, one yak yak, and you nodding, and all this stuff, is the result of lots and lots of atoms all obeying these very simple rules. Initiating rise and shine protocol. Manual override detected. Digital signature. Sentinel Jones. Bringing implant online. Welcome back, Sindel. Where are we? Where are the other pods? There's such a lot in the world. There's so much distance between the fundamental rules and the final phenomena that it's almost unbelievable that the final variety of phenomena can come from such a steady operation of such simple Scanning. No pods are found. Let's pop the top and stretch our legs. Uh, let your systems warm up a bit. Nobody ever asks about a simple, ordinary phenomenon in the street. What the? 
Did you get enough to identify what that was? I was unable to get full Try my sidearm and activate gunslinger optimization just in case something big has been let loose. I've got a bad feeling about this. Threat within proximity sensor range. Retreat is advised. It has to do with curiosity. It has to do with people wondering what makes something do something. And then to discover that if you try to get answers, that they're related to each other. The things that make the wind make the waves. And the motion of water is like the motion of air, like the motion of sail. Coming through. What was that? It came out of nowhere. Siddle, we're not on danger yet. As to where we are, what we are, is it very much more exciting to discover we're on a ball, half of it sticking upside down, it's spinning around in space, it's a mysterious force we told us on. Just across the river, in the brush. I believe it's been hunting us for some time now. We should move, quickly. Oh, don't worry about that. Siddle, something's happening. What is it? Is it still stalking us? Speed augmentation activated. Uh, my eyes! What was that flash? You were stable. Relatively minor wounds. The hoverbike took Wait, the majority of the impact. That's... That's an AI. You're in a terror suit? It's... How's it I fully functional? And many other people who have studied far enough to begin to understand a little of how things work are fascinated by it. And this fascination drives them on to such an extent that they've been able to convince governments and so on to keep supporting them in this investigation that the race is making into its own environment. 99 little bugs in the code, 99 little bugs, fix a bug, try to compile, 238 bugs in the code, 238 bugs in the code, 238 bugs, find a missing semicolon, breathe it, bugs in the code. How many days since we landed? Days? It's been years. What? You're late. Anything on your scan? Okay, welcome back, everybody. For those of you who are new, my name is Patrick, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour and a half or so, maybe... And I'm going to be your guide to the wonderful and weird world of horror movies, but as seen through my very, very gay little eyes. Now, in case you're wondering, hey, Patrick, wasn't this supposed to be the Murder by Death episode? Yes, it was supposed to be the Murder by Death episode. The episode has been recorded. It needs an excessive amount of editing, and it really would benefit from sound bites from the movie. And somehow the DVD, my DVD copy of the movie, has disappeared. I was cleaning up. Uh, rather frantically, possibly because the gentleman caller was coming over. Shut up. I don't know, actually. I don't recall. But I'm going to go with the gentleman caller was coming over. And I remember a DVD going rolling and said, I'm going to need that. Put that somewhere where you won't forget it. And, of course, now I forgot where it is. So until I find that DVD or go rent a copy of that DVD, Murder by Death is on permanent hiatus. I can't tell you how good it is to be back with you all, talking about everything. It's been, it's been a rough month here at Scream Queen's headquarters. And to make things even worse, I just got off the phone with Mr. Brad, who informed me that Sebastian Kitty is very, very ill. Uh, he stopped eating. He's vomiting. He's not moving. He's got a high fever. 
and it's very similar to how Tyler was before he, you know, he passed on. So we're waiting to hear this blood work being done right now. If symptoms do not improve by tonight, he's going to have to be hospitalized. So um, my game might be a little off today. Because um, I love that little guy. Okay, the show's been on for 30 seconds and you're already crying. But I've been depressed all month since I got back from Gala. As those of you who have been listening know, I went to Denver earlier in the month to participate in the Gala Festival, which is an international event where gay and lesbian courses from all over the world get together and share what we do, making a huge public stand and raising our voices in a peaceful way. And that was an amazing experience. It was six days of power and joy and hope. And, you know, my hands were crippled from all the applauding that I was doing. I got, my legs were burning from standing ovations every five minutes. Just really powerful stuff. And then, well, while I was there, my internet connection was not great. So I was not up on news. So pretty much the second I got off the plane, I was hit in the face with the news of the shootings of those two unarmed men. And then immediately followed by the Dallas shootings. And it was such a shell, a culture shock to come from this uplifting place of peace and hope to the world turned upside down while I was gone. And there I've been. There's been ups, there's been downs, but for the most part, uh, it's been a dark few weeks. Uh, but there's been some highlights to it. I got to meet listener Lauren and her boyfriend Jack. She had to be passing through the New York area. <clears throat> so we met up uh, in Union Square and we walked around for a bit. And oh, it was great. We got to hang out and we ate some goat and goat products. And it was fun. Like the hashtag for the day for me and Jack was, is this goat? Because we were annoying. It was okay. We had, we had goat milk ice cream at a store that only serves goat-based products. And so, of course, Jack and I just made fun of everything the whole time because that's what you do. I had a seltzer. I'm like, ooh, ooh, is this goat? Is this goat seltzer? Is this carbonated goat? Because we're assholes. So hi, Lauren. Hi, Jack. Thank you. And then later on, we got to rendezvous because I took them to see Gas Station Horror, which is an improv show that my friend Josh does and my friend JT does. And, or JW, I should say. He's not that good a friend. What? He's an acquaintance. That, that do scenes based off of uh, selections of moments from really, really terrible, terrible horror movies. The stuff you find in the dollar bin at like the sleaziest bodegas. And of course, by that point, I had gone off and to a happy hour. So I was drunk and, you know, I fell asleep and made a fool of myself. But anyway, that's not the point right now. It was great to meet Jack and it was great to see Lauren. Also, the other not great thing that's happened, I've taken a lot of flack after the... Uh, what the hell was it called? When Michael Calls episode. Because I vented my frustration about it on the show. And I knew it was going to happen. But this is a no bullshit zone. I have always said that and I stand to that. And I was not happy that day. And it was not, it was interfering with how the show was going out. And it would have been a lie to ignore the situation. And let's just say this kind of thing has happened before. 
and this was a second chance, and now there will be no more second chances. So, okay, so you close that chapter of your life and you move on. Also, I realized afterwards for about three weeks that I kept calling Miss Kitty here in the house. I kept calling her Smoochie my smooch, and then I stopped doing that when I realized why I was doing that because it was kind of creepy, and we moved on. So I do want to talk to you about some of the great stuff that happened while I was at this gala convention. First of all, 6,600 delegates showed up. That's a lot of gay people. That's a lot of gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender people in one place. So the energy was like sizzling. So cool. So exciting. And in the midst of it, I did not get to see Chad Warrick, listener Chad from Boston, who is, of course, the pianist for the Boston Gay Men's Chorus. I got to see a little bit of their coffee concert show. But then apparently afterwards, he just scampered away like the little, you know, ferret man that he is. And he was not to be seen for the rest of the time because, granted, as he said, he was in rehearsals all the time, and I was in rehearsals all the time for our sets and all. And anyway, whatever. We did not intersect. So I'm pissed at you, Chad Warrick. I'm pissed. Pissed at you. Our set went well. It was great. It was wonderfully received. We're the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. We're like the rock stars. And it gets kind of obnoxious how good we are sometimes. And it's kind of embarrassing. But whatever. My favorite thing was getting to see youth choruses from all around the country. They had one special blockbuster event. We got to see all kinds of great and talented kids. And I just watched them and I cry and I cry. And I just said, oh my God, these kids are the future. These are the hopes. These are the kids that we're not going to lose. Because they found something that was bigger than themselves. And it gives me great hope and great joy. And the fact that they're all incredibly talented on top of that is just icing on the cake. Now, in the midst of this, there was one group. I'm not saying where they were from. Man, there was maybe five of them. Most of the other people had 20, 40, many, many delegates show up. They had five. And they were in the saddest little t-shirts. And... Their musical director was making them sing, like, madrigals and shit. And you could see there was no connection between the kids and the material. And I'm just going, oh my God, this is sad. You poor kids. And then as they were singing, I just said, wait a minute, hold on. These kids have shown up in very small numbers in really sad homemade attire. But they're holding a really teeny tiny candle. And they're sitting here right now. They're standing there, I should say right now, in front of an audience of maybe 1,500 people who are going to blow that candle right up with the positive energy that they're going to get hit with. And they did. And they were doing their set. And then the last number in their set, they sang the Rainbow Connection. They said, ding, there it is. There are the kids. Now I see you. Now I don't see your musical director. Now I see you. And they got to the part where they said, they will find it, the rainbow connection. And I'm like, you kids are about to find it right now. Because you're here. You showed up. And as one of the performers, uh, one of the star performers that were there, I, I have forgotten her name, unfortunately. I didn't write it down, and I'm not going to go look it up now because I'm on a roll. 
said in one of her things when she was calling for peace. And she's like, you look in your mirror when you're down, all of you. You look in your mirror and you know that you are Malcolm X. You are Harvey Milk. You are the instrument that is affecting change, not just for your life, but for all these lives. And that's what I felt with these kids. And I'm going to start, stop crying now. And I'm going to get a little angry because I talked about the thing that I was involved in. Show Tune Showdown, another blockbuster concert. It was like a, a game show. Jeopardy, where all the answers were show tune questions. Were show tune titles, I should say. This was the thorn in my side from the second that we signed up. For some reason, nobody would tell us the goddamn rules. And as a result, we got up there and... Okay, we were told, specifically... No costumes, no props, no choreography. You have to use music that is directly from a Broadway show. Not a choral arrangement of a song from a Broadway show. Actual music from a Broadway show. Now, it was, it was representatives of the New York City Game Chorus and two other choruses that were competing. And we got there, and the other groups get up, and they got hula skirts and flags and wigs, and they're dancing all over the place. And we're like, wait a minute. Why were we told that, that this was... And, and, and just by the way, somewhere over the rainbow, not a show tune. That is a movie tune. Anyway, we lost. We came in second. It was a huge headache. And it was the whole thing. It was a really irritating way to end the show. Now, they, they live streamed that particular concert on the interwebs. So I want to thank Toppy Smelly, who watched and was very angered by the whole thing. He's like, you guys are being robbed, which we were. Because it turns out one of the judges is the head of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, which is fine in and of itself, except there is a longstanding rivalry between New York City and San Francisco, like Jets and the Sharks level. So all of our critiques were extremely harsh, and they were, uh, well, never mind. We, we came in second. We lost by one point, which was very carefully orchestrated. It was a shit way to end the, the whole festival, because that was the closing event. I do have to apologize, though, uh, to the 10 delegates out of the six thousand six hundred that were there the 10 delegates that i did not make out with at some point i made out with a lot of people i made out with a lot of people that was pretty much as far as i was willing to go but you know what you get swept up in the moment it's all about fraternity and community and you know you're just trying to bring people together with your mouth <laughs> oh there was a guy from San Francisco, oddly enough, who I had made out with in a bar. And then we were going to a party after this show tune showdown thing in a hotel. Me and my friend Mike, who was my companion for the weekend. Hi, Mike from Vancouver. How are you? Longtime friend. Just great guy. Tons of fun. Very funny. And also you can sneak out to the corner and make out with him when you get bored, which is also fun. It's all good. It's all great. It's all good. But I'm on the, sta I'm on the very long escalator going up to the party, and I realize... The guy from San Francisco I made out with is coming down the escalator. And we were like, you, you. And we're reaching out for each other. Like, oh, it's so good to see you. And we tried to kiss across the escalator. And our mouths missed by millimeters. And then he just went down. And I went up. And it was like, no. No. It was like an 80s movie. 
and then I never saw him again. It's like a missed connections thing on Craigslist. So, hey, guy from San Francisco that I made out with and I know I gave my card to, even though I can't think of your name because I was really drunk. How you doing? How you doing? Anyway, so that was Gala. But the most astounding thing about Gala did not happen at Gala. It happened on my flight to Gala. Now, some of you already read about this because I was live-tweeting it as much as I could as it was happening. Okay, I had to fly through Dallas before going to Denver. And I made this stupid mistake of choosing Spirit, Spirit Airlines. I'm telling you, kids, right now, never, ever, ever fly Spirit Airlines. This was the worst traveling experience of my life. The event I'm about to describe notwithstanding. is Terrible, terrible, shitty service, sneaky surcharges everywhere. The seats are incredibly close together and it was like trying to sleep on a park bench. Incredibly uncomfortable, miserable, no service, no anything, just and they're very proud of that. Like, you're not going to get any pillows or blankets or food or anything. Yay. Thanks. Thanks. But I'm waiting to board the plane. There's a guy ahead of me. 20-something. Decent looking guy. And some woman comes up to him. Woman in her, let's say, early 40s. And she's like, excuse me, is this line A or line B? This is line A. See, oh, well, this is where I'm supposed to be then. Great. And she went to the back of the line. Now, it turns out I'm sitting right next to the 20-something guy that was in front of me. I have the aisle seat. He has the middle seat. Now, lo and behold, who has the third seat in the row is the 40-something lady from Myrtle Beach. And now they're fast friends because they talked online. And this is one of these ladies who just don't shut up. She don't shut up, is what I'm trying to say. Not only does she not shut up, she has that particular southern tick where she repeats everything three times, maybe not right in a row, but eventually she is going to repeat exactly what she said a minute ago. Like, oh my goodness, well, I just can't believe we just met like that on the line. We just met right like that on the line, just right like that. And now we're sitting next to each other. We're sitting next to each other, and we just met right on the line. Isn't that something? I can't believe that. What a coincidence that we are sitting right next to each other, and we just met on the line. You get the idea. And she's loud. And since she's talking to him, she's facing me, so I'm hearing most of what she says, but not what he says. Now, for the entire flight, I had to listen to these two. I was hoping to get some sleep. It was a 7 a.m. flight, but we're so close to each other that Miss Foghorn voice kept waking me up. Well, at a certain point, you know, they're just having friendly conversations about where they're going, and that's fine. And then somebody noticed the drinks menu in the, in the pocket ahead of them. And right on the cover was a picture of a little bottle of Fireball schnapps. And she's like, oh, my goodness, they're serving fireball. <gasps> oh, my, they're serving fireball. Do you see this? They're serving fireball. No, I don't drink. I don't drink. I'm a good Christian woman, so I don't normally drink. I don't normally drink. 
I don't normally drink, but I, if, if it's Fireball, I'll drink it. And I have to say, when I do drink Fireball, which I don't normally do, because I'm a good Christian woman, I can get crazy. I get crazy. I get I can, I can get crazy on Fireball. I mean, I don't normally drink, but on a Fireball, I can get crazy. Let's just say that they were having a special that you can get two Fireballs and a beer for $12. So they were buying each other Fireballs and beers the whole flight. And as this is progressing, we're scrolling from normal conversation to flirting. And in the process of this, I have learned everything about both of them. I can friend both of them on Facebook. I know their names. I know where they live. I know their kids' names. I know where they work. I know pretty much everything. I know that she was going to go visit her daughter in Dallas because this guy, the 72-year-old guy that she, you know, I, well, we're not really dating. Well, he gave me the money to go. And, you know, I mean, I took it even though he wanted to finger me, but I wouldn't let him because I'm a good Christian lady. Lady. And at this point, my ear's like, whoop. Did she just say that? And then she said it three more times. He was going to finger me, but I said, no, you can't finger me. No, I'm gonna, I would feel like a whore if you gave me money and then you fingered me. All right, I'm cutting to the chase. They went to the Mile High Club twice during the course of this flight. And I had to hear everything. No, they did not have sex next to me. They discreetly went to the teeny tiny little bathroom. I really don't know how any of that worked. But again, I am hearing everything. Like the flirt, like, oh my God. She said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't normally do that, but I would do that to you. I mean, I don't normally do that, but you're just such a sexy man. I would totally do that. I mean, I, I, and, 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 so I, and then all of a sudden they disappeared in the bathroom. I guess she blew him. Because he came back first and sat down. I'm just acting like nothing's happening, trying to read my book. Wet Screams by Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly, you tried to keep me company on that flight, but you failed miserably. It wasn't your fault because this was just way more interesting and horrible. And she came out of the bathroom and she sits down. And she starts going like this. Takes out a sandwich and starts to eat it. She goes, ooh, my tuna salad tastes funny now. Would you like a bite of my tuna salad? I'm thinking, he already had your tuna salad, honey. And we all know it because when they got up to go to the bathroom, the guys across the, the aisle were looking to see what was going on. The people in front of me were like, oh, my God, are they going to go have sex? The people behind us were like, oh, my God, are they going to go have sex? So everybody knows what's going on because the lo- more they drank, the louder they got. And now we're having pillow talk. Oh my gosh, okay. We should we should see if we can meet up, but we're in Dallas. Well, I'm going to Denver. Well, you should stay in Dallas with me. I would if I could. I'll take you. He says, I would take you to a rodeo in Dallas. And she looks at him and says, I'm going to take you to a rodeo in my pussy. Swear to God. Now, normally I add in my pussy to the ends of statements as a joke. But then when she actually did it for real, I fell out. I fell out. But you just invite that man to a rodeo in your pussy? What does that even mean, woman? Does your pastor know you talk like that? Or is that the 72-year-old man who's going to finger you? For airfare from Myrtle Beach. Where you live. On Warwick Road. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, the Harlan of Warwick Road. It's Myrtle Beach. 
Oh, and it just went on and on and on and on and on. Then they had round two. One of my other favorite things was at a certain point she goes, looking at me, do you think he can hear us? And I'm thinking, not only can he hear you, he's writing everything down. Because this is all going to be in my book of memoirs someday. And they come back from round two. He again came back first. And he's trying to sleep. And she starts in with the, what are you thinking? What you thinking about? Hmm? What you thinking? I bet you're thinking something nice. What you thinking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking he just came twice, so he wants to go to sleep. Now shut up. Shut up and let me sleep for the last hour of this flight. This is the longest three hours of my life. But then they started getting raunchy again, and Daddy lost his shit. I slammed my book down and said, Would you just give it a rest? Looking at me with big eyes. I'm like, it has been three hours of nonstop sex talk, and some of us would just like to enjoy the quiet for an hour. Because everybody around here knows what you've been doing. Don't think you've been discreet. This is the opposite of discreet. And if anything was more awkward than the first two hours of that flight, it was probably the last, like the silence was really heavy. Really heavy. But seriously, I know everything about them. I know that she likes to keep everything trimmed down there. She likes to keep it trimmed. I don't like to shave it. I like to keep it trimmed. I like to keep it neat because I take pride in myself. I look good. I may be 42, but I look good, so I keep it neat down there because you never know. No, you never know when you're going to be blowing a stranger on an airplane. Gross. Gross. Oh, I don't do that behind stuff unless I'm really, really clean back there. What? I can hear you. Everybody can hear you. Horrific. So that was my trip to Dallas, and I've been talking for 22 minutes, so I think it's time for me to start the show proper. So we're going to play a little music. We're going to listen. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to play. I don't know. We're going to talk about some movies or some shit. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Oh, my God.
games this evening. We have just one more. It's called Mommy's Choice. Which one of you will survive this year's purge? The soul of our country is at stake. The purge targets the poor and the innocent. The Senator's going to win. She's going to make real changes, too. It is a night that is defining our country. It's time to do something about that, Senator. The purge has to come to an end. You take a lot of risks, Senator. I have to. I was the only one in my family to survive. What made you apply for this position? I almost did something on purge night some years back. I want this night gone. I want men in all these rooms. We got eyes and ears on everything. All right, let's begin. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. Someone betrayed us. This is not a drill. We are on our own. We have one goal right now. Survival. Senator, come with us. You gentlemen understand what's at stake here. Maybe it's our duty to help protect her. Here they come. Blessed be America for letting us purge and cleanse our souls. Join me as we eliminate evil. Purge and For the life of me, I do not know what possessed me to go buy a ticket for the purge election year. The day after the Republican National Convention had closed. Watching all those horrific videos of all the speeches and all the hate and all the lies and your frickin' Rudolph Giuliani going full Skeletor. Terrifying, terrifying things. Why did I go see this movie? I could have gone to see The Shallows. I could have gone to see Lights Out. I felt like I needed to see this one. And I have to say, it scared the hell out of me. Because what was going on on, stage, on screen, rather, completely echoed everything that I had just watched on television for the past week. Now, what I've always said about the Purge movies, and even about the first one, I said, we are not far away from this. We are like one or two notches away from turning on our own like this. And with this third film, we are closer than ever. And it horrified me. Now, I don't know when they shot this movie. 
But so many things just echoed directly what I had just seen and things I had heard you know, other people say. Uh, a line that kept recurring was, this is about the soul of our nation. And I had just heard that in a speech the night before about things people were saying about the, uh, at the uh, RNC. And art was imitating life and it was all a little too close to me. That much said. The third installment of this movie, it, it, this is a rare thing in a horror franchise, in, is that the, the films get better as they go along. The first one I thought was a complete misstep. I thought that they introduced a lot of great ideas, terrifying ideas, and then backed away from just about every single one of them. And the second one stepped up and embraced a lot of the things that the first one neglected to, to um, cash in on. And then the third one, ba-bang, it's all here. Granted, as I talked about with Listen to Vanessa, even so, none of these films ever really live up to the truly terrifying promise of the concept of The Purge. But much like the second one, this is an excellent action horror film. And the fact that it's so clued in to exactly what's going on right now in the real world makes it more important than really it ever should have been. It makes me sad that this commentary on American life is now a terrifying possibility to some extent. The other thing that they got frighteningly correct was the misogyny and cloaking all of his evil under the form of religion. This female presidential candidate, the opposing side, the, the new founding fathers, pretty much only referred to her as the cunt. Which, the first time they said it, I dropped my popcorn. I was like, they, whoa, whoa, it's like they haven't even rolled the credits yet and you're dropping the C word. And as rough as that sounded, it's dead on. It's dead on. And in this one, there is a huge religious aspect. As a matter of fact, the founding fathers during the purge are holding a midnight mass. You can't get more religious than this. This fake religion hiding the most cruel hearts. And I found that extremely chilling because the mirror was held up and there we all are. The only thing that was missing, and I'm not saying I'm happy that it's missing, the only thing that was missing was uh, an anti-LGBT theme. LGBT? Why did I say it like that? <laughs> an anti-LGBT theme. Because otherwise, if they had had that in, you would have had the Republican platform in a nutshell. They put it on out there. All the rights that we've We've gotten all the, the progress that we've achieved. They want to take it all back. And while it would have been horrific to see in the movie, it would have been accurate. Frighteningly accurate. No, it's not perfect, of course. Of course, this is following a, a presidential candidate who had survived an earlier purge and is definitely anti-purge, and she's going up against the founding fathers, the new founding fathers, and they want her out like, of life. 
So at Purge Night, they they put a mole in her Fortress of Solitude, and, you know, the chase is on. And what I think works really well here is that they brought back a character from the second Purge film, that guy who was the big hero in that is in this as well. However, none of his backstory carries over, so you could actually watch this on its own and not know that he has anything to do with the other movies because it doesn't matter, and I think that's smart. The imagery, of course, is always terrifying in these films, and the fact that it, the imagery took a big political bend I thought was, well, incredibly effective. And mm, maybe not in a great way, but I mean, yeah, it was supposed to scare me, and guess what you did? Because now the Purge has become a big tourist attraction. You know, we got people coming from all the world, all over the world to participate in a murder vacation. They can't kill people at home, so they're coming to America to get their inner rage out. And you have all these Russian kids running around the street, and it turns out the Russian kids are the ones who are dressed up like... The Statue of Liberty and Uncle Sam and Betsy Ross and all the, you know, American iconic images. And the irony was not lost on me, especially with the news this week of Trump's ties to Putin. And I don't know, it just all, everything just rang for me and I just kept sinking down in my seat and sinking down in my seat. And maybe it wasn't directly related to the action on screen. Maybe it wasn't about trying to keep this presidential candidate alive. Maybe it wasn't about the guy trying to save his bodega. Which are the two main stories which eventually intersect. But the overall arc of it was incredibly effective. And I'm glad I went. Did I feel better afterwards? No. Absolutely not. I went home and was dejected. Like, oh, we're all going to die. We're going to be murdering each other in the streets soon. I'm going to lose my civil rights. And all these other terrible, terrible thoughts. Of course, now that the DNC is complete, I think I probably talked about this already, I have a glimmer of hope. I feel a hell of a lot better. A lot of that poison has been washed out of my system. Purged, if you will. And it's probably too late to see this in the theaters for most of you. Maybe you can catch it at a bargain matinee, but I really recommend it. I think this is a strong series. You know, maybe the first film notwithstanding, it wasn't a Terrible film, but just a uh, misguided one. But I think overall this franchise is very exciting, and I think it's nice that they wrapped this one up nicely, but still left the possibility of another film. That's all I'm saying about that. As you can see, I still am not myself. This summer has really gotten me down the state of things and it's made recording the show difficult I don't want to talk to people I just want to hide in my room with my pussy and also my cat but it's good it's good to be talking it's good to be getting this stuff out because it's important to talk about stuff it's important to talk about how we feel and it's important to talk about all this icky political stuff from Oh, angles. But are we talking about that? No, we're talking about scary movies. I liked The Purge. I liked The Purge election year a lot. It was very entertaining as it was frightening. And um, yeah, I think that's about all I got to say there. I wish I could be more explosive about what I have to say. But you know what? Boom, boom. That's what I got to say. That was your explosion. 
I just ejaculated. Not like ejaculated, I meant like I made a loud noise ejecting that. Shut up! Look it up. It has other names. What are we even talking about? Are we talking about a movie? I don't know. Fail and fail. This is a world Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the crapshoot portion of the program. Now, I don't know where the bumper that I normally play for the crapshoot is because I'm still working on Brad's crappy computer and I can't find it and we're on a time crunch, so let's just make do with what we have. So, for those of you who are uninitiated, the crapshoot is the portion of the show where I dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. Did I find it this time? Is Prom Ride a shining golden nugget of a film? Well, it's a nugget, but it ain't gold. Let's listen to the trailer. So, there's this girl, Junie, that I've had a crush on for a long time. Today, I'm gonna ask her to prom. Sorry, baby. Oh. Hey, girl. Hi, Mr. Cross. You guys ready to prom? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Get down here. Is that what you're wearing to prom? <laughs> Let's take the party outside. Let's go see the limo. This is so nice. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is amazing. How's it going? Good, good. Take good care of him tonight. Absolutely. This is an awesome limo. Hi. Is everybody okay? Are we gonna be late for our prom? I'm gonna just go outside and make sure that the limo's okay, okay? I'll be right back. Shh! What do you see? Nothing.
So, Prom Ride is the story of a bunch of teens who are on the way to their prom, obviously, but their super tacky tank of a limo is hijacked by a mysterious figure wearing a mirrored mask who then tortures and kills them. Now, I picked this a particularly dull night. I could not find anything to watch, and for some reason, I thought this might be flighty fun. I didn't expect a gem. I, lo- I watched the trailer. It clearly wasn't well made. But I thought, hey, maybe I'll get a few laughs out of it. I didn't get a lot of laughs out of it. However, I did get angry. Really, really angry. Now, I tried to record the segment once already, and I got so mad I had to turn it off and redo everything that I had done. So I'm going to try a different approach. I'm going to try a compliment sandwich. I'm going to try to talk about sort of what was good about the movie before I unleash. Except that's really difficult because there's not a lot to like about here. The thing is, okay, first of all, it starts off with one of those banners that said it's based on a true story, but I did research and there is nothing out there about a hijacked limousine. That could happen. I could see that happening. Mm apparently didn't happen so step one you've lied to me now they made a choice to have this film with a variety of handheld or otherwise untraditional cameras you know security cameras that sort of a thing and it really hurts the movie because they don't stick to their own formula in the middle of the same scene they'll be going from handheld camera to handheld camera to security camera to regular camera Pick a format, stick with it. And in later scenes of the movie, when they're confined, the the second half of the film is all confined to the interiors of this limousine, it gets really bad. It gets really bad. A lot of the handheld stuff is just terrible. It's it's not like dizzy making. It's not going to make you nauseous or anything like that. But I'm going, what are you shooting? You're just giving me a headache. Terrible. The other problem with this movie is that it doesn't give you anybody to root for because it doesn't really fill you in on any of the characters, despite that the first half of the movie, you spent a lot of time with them getting ready for the prom. Now, I thought they were setting some stuff up here because really early on in the movie, the first person you meet is Parker. Hi, Parker, blonde surfer dude. What's up going on? And we we learned that, oh my gosh, he's really nervous because he's going to ask this girl, Junie, to the prom. And he does that by going visiting her in the dress shop where she works. All the other girls have a very long sequence of trying on dresses, which are all super cute. Oh my God, you look so cute. Oh my God, everybody has vodka off because we're in California. But now Parker shows up with his boys at a boombox and we have a full-blown musical number. Yes, he's, he's, he's asking her to the prom via Westbox. I'm on board. Because it's a musical number. It's a, it's a terrible musical number. But even still, I'm on board. My heart is beating, my pulse is rushing. It's been in my head. I'm losing focus. There's just been something on my mind. The chance rise, but my mind clouds up. The words escape me, I'm all choked up. Yeah. 
about this song, am I right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. Okay, so now here's the thing. Parker, bless his little heart, he ain't even trying. His mouth is barely moving. He's showing no enthusiasm. And what's great, what's great, like the girls come busting out of their dressing room in their matching gowns to do their dancing, except all of a sudden it's not them anymore. It's three girls that have never been in the movie before who were not present in the shop before any of this started. And then as soon as the musical number, poof, they evaporate into the ether. Even now I'm on board. Because that's hilarious. So now you've set up that Parker and Junie are going to be the focus of the... No, mm-mm. Nope, that's pretty much the last we hear from Parker and Junie. I mean, we see them floating around in the group. But for the most part, it's just floating around in the group. It's nonsense dialogue. Time filler, time filler, time filler, time filler. And here's the other problem with the movie. The movie is padded horribly. Horribly. There are scenes that go on forever. There is a scene in the limousine where they are forced to slow dance with each other. Ooh, ooh, torture. Do torture. It goes on for the entire length of a song and nothing happens. We just get close-ups of the girls crying, you know, dancing and crying with their very, very dry faces. And since it's in tight close-up, we can really, really suck at the fact that nobody here is crying. And this is early in the movie. I'm like, what you crying for, girl? Yeah, I know your car just got hijacked and we just saw the limousine driver shot in the face, but okay, you're in no immediate danger. Stop crying. You know me in this. You know me in this. When you've been doing something for a really long time as an actor, make another choice. Make another choice. The acting in this overall is terrible and here's the thing i'm not going to blame the actors because just about every one of them have a moment where you go ah there you are you're doing okay i have a feeling that they were giving nothing to do by the director who i have a lot of problems with or they were given too much specific stuff to do no, no no just keep doing that just keep doing that just keep doing that for the entire 10 minutes that i'm shooting this really boring thing that's happening but Patrick, this sounds kind of fun. What's wrong with the movie? Well, here's the thing. It became evident to me at a certain point that this movie, the filmmaker behind it, hates his female characters because they are subjected to humiliation in a way that is not entertaining. And after a while became ghoulish. Now, I first started to notice this. Uh, this person who's taken over the, 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 the limousine seems to know everything about them. Everything about them. Including the fact that this one girl's boyfriend, they were saving each other, you know, saving themselves for each other, you know, that kind of thing. Except the driver knows that the guy in the relationship fucked some other girl in the van. He already lost his virginity to somebody else in the, van, in, in, the, in the limo. And when this gets revealed, all the blame gets put on the other girl. No blame goes to him. So it's this other girl's fault that your boyfriend couldn't keep it in his pants. And this leads to a scene where cheated on girl is punching cheater girl in the face over and over for what seems like 12 minutes. It just went on and on and on and on. 
And this point keeps coming up, this whole thing about the cheating keeps coming up throughout the movie, but it's never, ever, ever the boyfriend's fault. So that's curious. It's curious. Then later on, remember Junie? Remember nice little Junie? She's like the sweetest one in the van. I, I keep calling it a van. I'm sorry. It's a limousine. It just looks like a van. We'll come back to the limousine because that's another ridiculous thing. But she has to pee. So the killer forces her to pee in an ice bucket. This is another scene that goes on for like five minutes. So we're entitled to sweet little Junie squatting over an ice bucket, weeping, while her friends are filming it. In Ew. 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 Early in the movie, I had been given a ray of hope because at a certain point, they go to a restaurant before uh, heading to the prom, fancy restaurant, and there we learn that two of the girls are actually secretly going together to the prom as a date. They're a secret lesbian couple. And they haven't come out to their friends yet, but they get caught kissing in the ladies' room, and now they have to come out. And all of her friends are like, that's great, we love you for who you are, yay! And I said, that's beautiful. Right on, movie. Except then one of the lesbian girls is forced to fillet a gun for a good five minutes. Yeah, but she never sucked a cock before, the killer says. Yeah, suck this, suck it, take it all the way in. Take it, I'll get it nice and wet. And it goes on and on. The poor girl vomits on the gun. And yet the scene continues. And then she's forced to strip naked. And at this point, I turned the movie off. Those of you who follow me on Facebook know that I lost my mind on this movie. I, I was furious, and it's this scene that put me over the edge. This kind of misogyny and, and, and <laughs> violent anti-gay nonsense was just unacceptable in what was, I thought, going to be a bunch of teeny bopper fun. Shitty teeny bopper fun, but still. However, afterwards, I thought about it, and I said, this, I'm going to have to talk about this movie because it's so damn ugly. And it got me mad enough that, that it became a precedent. So I sat down and forced myself to watch the rest of the movie. And it didn't get any better from there. It's the degradation continues of just the women. I don't know who did what to this filmmaker. I don't know who ruined his prom. But Jesus Christ, you're a sick, sick little person. And now, of course, after I posted that, some of you out there were like, oh my gosh, that sounds hilarious. I'm going to watch it anyway. And you all paid. I came back like, oh my God, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I said, what? Why don't you listen to me? Why don't you listen to me? And then, <sighs> this much aside, the movie is completely fantastical. Not fantastic, fantastical because the killer has somehow managed to trick out this limousine to be a complete death trap in a way that is pretty much impossible. He's got remote control seatbelts. If you lock yourself into the seatbelt, you're locked in until he lets you out. 
Okay. All right. Oh, and the seatbelts are also programmed to strangle you. Okay. The security cameras will squirt out mace if you try to tamper with them. Uh, okay. Apparently, there's some kind. Uh, this, uh, yeah. There's poison gas that comes shooting out. It's a limousine. Where do you get all the money to do this? And apparently, it's a high school student. Well, I'm not telling you who the killer is because who the fucking. It doesn't even make sense. When all that comes out, there's a twist and then another twist, and then at the end of it, I'm like, what are you even talking about? This makes no sense. You put your female actors through absolute unnecessary degradation for your sloppy, poorly made piece of crap that doesn't even have the decency to make sense. How dare you? You gave me a musical number? That was so bad, it made me so happy, and then we're dragged down into this mud. Go fuck yourself, sir. Go fuck yourself, sir, so hard. My goodness gracious. I don't want to talk about too much else about this movie because I don't want to trick you into thinking it's worth your time. It's the exact opposite. I don't get offended by much. This movie offended me. Forcing your perfectly nice lesbian character to suck a gun like a cock in grotesque close-up for over five minutes until she vomits and then continue to do that. Uh, come on now. The movie's ugly, it's nihilistic, it's poorly made, and it's boring. Boring, boring, boring. So prom ride, you know what? Take the fucking bus next time. Next, this movie is awful. So what do you see? Ping in a bucket. It's gross. I really don't want to gargoyle the poop in my mouth. Oops. Anyway, hey, what's up, Patrick? This is Jeff out in California. Hey, Jeff. Yes, I'm going to keep introducing myself that way because, well, several podcasts I call it, it that seems to be who I am. Anyway, just listening to the beginning of your episode regarding flowers in the attic and. My girlfriend had me watch that last year because it's one of her guilty pleasures and I figured, okay, I'm going to humor her and I'll watch it. But Eat the cookie, Jeff. Despite the fact that there is a level of cheese from the 80s on this film, there's some pretty disturbing shit in the movie. Yes. But, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Would I go back and watch it again? If it's on. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, the real reason for my call is you guys were talking about that game Spank the Yeti. And I saw the Facebook post about it. I saw the Twitter about it. And every time I'd come across something that you were 
posting that was talking about Spank Spaghetti, in my head, all I could hear was Spank Spaghetti. Spank Spank Spaghetti. Come on, Spank Spaghetti. And I don't know why. I don't know why that jumped into my head. It's really weird, but that's how my brain works. Which I guess is why I like horror, because it's... I'm odd, and why I love your podcast, because I feel at home listening to it. Aww. Well, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Later, Patrick. Later, Jeff. Okay, first of all, Jeff, I think you need to call Brian Wilson immediately and make sure that that is the theme song for Spank the Eddie Game when it sweeps the universe, when it finally debuts in December because that was awesome. That was very awesome. And yes, Jeff, you'll always have a home here. Right here at the Weird Kids table, which oddly enough is the only table in here. Weird Kids only. Thank you for calling, Jeff. You are the awesomest is 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 Hey, Patrick. It's Son of Odin. Uh, been a while since I called in, but uh, figured you were uh, fishing there for uh, contest entries and stuff. So, yes, I am. Um, here you go. Feed pudding, too. Uh, obviously, we're going to go here with the Knight of Me. Reason being, uh, them being knights, uh, they should be, uh, have the uh, discretion or whatever not to say knee with their mouths full. Uh-huh. Uh, what we got next? Uh, make a skin suit of. Uh, that would obviously be the Beetlejuice, and that's because you'd have a built-in Halloween costume. Makes Interesting. sense to me. Which, of course, leaves uh, giving a golden shower to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um... I guess the uh, reason why, besides just being left, um, maybe you, uh, your already sensitive stomach got upset even more so by the walk. So <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, great shows recently, and uh, sorry it's been a while, but uh, I'm a lazy fuck. What can I say? Um, you get a chance, uh, another movie you want to look at is one called Come Back to Me from 2014. I think it's on Netflix. Um, fuck it, I'll do the Firing Squad thing. Why not? Ooh. Anyway, uh, got nothing else to say, so, uh, have a good one. Bye. A good one? That rhymes with pudding. Okay, let's get a few things out of the way first. Now, those of you who are new are probably confused. What is he talking about? Okay, now, a while back, I ran a contest to win a game of Schmoovie, the game of made-up movies. I had a guest on the show, Brian Wilson, who visited me to talk about Flowers in the Attic. And we played a round of his upcoming game, Spank the Yeti which is kind of like fuck, marry, kill, but you have to match certain objects with certain actions. And I said people should write in and guess my answers for a round to win a game of Schmoovie. Now, the choices were feed pudding to, make a skin suit out of, and give a golden shower to, the objects being the Knights of Saini, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Beetlejuice. And you're very close. You're very close, sir. You're very close. Here are a few other things I want to talk about. I can't make out your name. I've listened to it 15 times now. I can't make out your name. And here's the thing. I also seem to recall texting you when the message first came in saying, I can't make out your name and I can't find the answer. So I'll probably going to be texting you again soon, especially if you win. Thank you for calling. Come back to me. I started watching and I turned it off because it, was, it wasn't gelling with me at the time, but because you said so, I will give it another try. Thank you, Mr. Recaller. Thank you for your entry. I love a good entry. And <laughs> now withdraw and leave. Thank you. Next caller. Okay, that was the only audio entry that I got for 
the Schmovie contest. I did get tons of stuff online, and all of you have been entered into the raffle copter because not one of you got it right. Some of you got really close, but not close enough. Let's take a listen to my answers as recorded on the day back at the beginning of June. Where are my choices? I've decided these were very hard choices for, for the cards, Brian. These were very hard. I think I think I would I would have to um, feed pudding to the Knights of Knee. Why is that? I don't know. It just seems like they're so angry and you know, I just think, you know, I don't know. It just seems like they they need some love. Sure. Around the woods all the time, and you know they're 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 soldiers, man. They're serving their country, man. You got you got to help the troops. I also have you feeding pudding to the knights who say knee. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, just because the other oh, just, just, just because I don't. Yeah, and I think I would have to um uh uh um make a skin suit out of Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, he grew up pretty. I could walk around in that for a while. <laughs> he grew up right. He's a little short, but I so it'll have to stretch. But you know, it'll work. I'll make it work. I'll have it let out somehow. I'll make it work, and that means I'm just gonna have to give a golden share to Beetlejuice because he'll fucking love it. <laughs> okay, those are my answers. My answers were final. I would feed pudding to the Knights of Knee. I would make a skin suit out of Gordon Levin, and I would give a golden shower to Beetlejuice. Nobody got it right. Almost everybody said I'd feed pudding to the Knights of Knee, but the other two you got backwards. Anyway, nice to know that's what you think of me. So let's just go over to Rafflecopter and see who the winner is going to be. I wish there was a sound effect for this, but I don't have time to go digging for one. Bing, 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 bing. Hitting the button. Okay, the winner is Mystery Caller. Congratulations, Mystery Caller. <laughs> I have your phone number, so I'll be sending you a text to get your information from you. But if you hear this first, send me information. We'll get that game out to you right away. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mystery Man who needs to learn how to enunciate. Okay, that about wraps it up for this time around. I want to thank everybody who called in, making the show even cooler than it was going to be. And if you'd like to be like these two cool cats, then you give me a call at 917-720-2047 or drop me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast. Or if you want to join the elite screamers group, do a search on screamers and go hang out with those kids there. You can find me on the Twitter at Scream Queens. And now you can find me on Instagram. I don't know what I'm doing there, but I'm there. And you can find me at No Tiara for You, which seems deeply appropriate. Of course, coming up, we're going to be talking about murder by death at some point. I'm trying to line up another special guest for August. I don't really have a plan for the next few weeks. So keep an eye on all those pages and you'll find out what's going to be coming down the pikes. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place. And thank you. Thank you for cheering me up on this very sad day. I appreciate that. And of course, remember the Scream Queen's rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it through the final reel, baby. Yeah. 
Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>